What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the program. It is episode 281 of Not Your Average Boston Sports Podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the program on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And you can follow our social pages on Facebook and on X slash Twitter for the latest updates posted last week that we uh, are getting back to the regular schedule finally uh, this week. Uh, So great to be back with you folks on this uh, first day of the week. We got Guest Friday coming later this week. Derek Welch is returning uh, to talk some Celtics ahead of the season opener on Wednesday night. Um, So that will be out for you later this week. So really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to uh, talking some C's with Derek, who will return. He's been on a couple times. Uh, So excited for that. So you will have that to look forward to, but um, a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff this week that I'm uh, looking forward to get to, including, you know, Celtics. I'll kind of go over my overall thoughts for the team this season. You know, Derek and I will go in-depth kind of with our thoughts uh, later this week for the team, but I think, I think it's going to be a special year for this team, and I think, you know, it's hard not to get really excited because they think that they are in my opinion, the most talented team in the league, and I think the best team in the league. But, you know, how it works sometimes, the best teams don't always win. So I think the hope is the Celtics can be a little bit more of a more well-rounded team this year, get it done. But obviously, there's a long way to go. You know, we're at the beginning of the journey that we hope is is long, and we hope it ends with uh, Banner 18. But you know, there's there's basketball to be played. Uh, you know, they don't play the games on paper. Um, so we'll get into the Celtics later, but uh, we're starting with the Patriots, as we uh, often do during the fall. And uh, let me just say, you know, I think last week or, yeah, when we talked Friday, you know, there was not a lot of, not a lot of positivity uh, with this team. And I think, you know, me being a person that I'm usually positive you know when I talk about this team you know seeing loss after loss you know kind of ate away at my confidence and I think specifically with the way that Mac Jones had played in some of those games you know it didn't lead me to feel confident about the team going forward and going into you know Sunday's game but I think you know and I kind of said this I may have said this out loud when I was watching Sunday's game with my folks, but um, it seemed like the second half against the Raiders, the Patriots found something and were able to move the ball a little bit better, you know, had those touchdown drives, Um, you know, obviously couldn't finish the job. You know, Devontae Parker drops that great pass for Mac Jones that probably sets the Patriots up with a chance to win the game. He drops the pass, Patriots lose, but I think that there was some positivity that you could glean from that second half that the Patriots, you know, struggled again in that first half, you know, played from behind, but were able to put themselves in a chance to win the game, and they almost did. Um, But I think, boy, they certainly found confidence in that second half because we saw a Mac Jones that we saw at the beginning of the season on Sunday he was at his best on Sunday and I think played one of his better games of the season. And yeah, a lot of folks in the media, I think for the last two years or so with, you know, talking about Mac Jones with the fact that, you know, he doesn't lead fourth quarter comebacks, doesn't have a quote unquote signature win. Well, that was a signature win yesterday. I don't think that, you know, anyone should be questioning that. And so I think, It was great to see him play with confidence, stepping into throws, you know, making the correct decisions, was 25 for 30 in this game, and really kind of gave you confidence that they can go win the game, even after blowing a 12-point lead in what felt like five or six minutes, you know, that it was 22 to 10, and then 24, or 25 to 22, before you, even, before you could even blink. Um, and I think that Mac deserves a lot of credit for how he played yesterday. And, 
I think a lot of us, including myself, didn't expect that he would perform like that. And I think that he and the team deserve a lot of credit for coming into this game one and five, but not folding and realizing that, hey, we can go out and we can play competitively and play competitively with any team in the league as you've seen them play a couple times this year. You know, I still remember those first two games of the season where they pushed the Eagles and the Dolphins to a final drive where they had a chance to tie or win the game. And I think that there are flashes of that team with in the last two weeks that those that team is still there somewhere. And I think being able to perform so well, fairly well offensively, I think from a quarterback standpoint and from an offensive line standpoint, I think gives you great confidence that, okay, a, a quality team is in there somewhere. And it's in there somewhere if, you know, an offensive line can give the quarterback time to throw, time to process, and the quarterback is making good decisions. You know, I think that both of those things go hand in hand, and it didn't seem like it was happening the last three weeks, but it seemed like it happened yesterday. Um, And Mac did a great job at spreading the football around, you know, found, I don't know what that, what the number was. It was nine different receivers had a catch yesterday. And I think this is what Mac does best is finding different guys, you know, being accurate and coming up with big throws at big times. And I think this team deserves a lot of credit for this win. And I think the locker room being behind Mac Jones saying as much, and I think being confident in in him gives him the confidence to be able to, you know, lead a comeback. And I think it's something that maybe I've thought about privately that, yes, there's a lot that's said about Mac Jones and his, you know, inability to lead a team from behind. But I think that, once he does it, this might start happening with regularity. Now, the Patriots probably don't want to be blowing a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter, you know, with the quarterback having to bring them back. But the fact that he did it, the fact that he did it against a good team, I don't care if Von Miller, Matt Milano, Tredavious White didn't play yesterday. That's still a good defense you know, Ed Oliver, but he deserves a lot of credit for how he performed. And I think I was one of the people that wasn't very high on him coming into this game, but boy, did he really show up in this game. So uh, credit to Mac. I thought he played really, really well. I thought the run game at times was solid, was solid. Um, it was great to see the Patriots get Demario Douglas the football a couple times. Uh, in kind of interesting ways, you know, had a good punt return as well, had a one, had a 20-yard carry on um, a jet sweep, um, and then had four receptions for 54 yards. Let me find the punt return. Yes, had the 25-yard punt return. Um, I think just an all-around good day for, for the team. You know, I think defensively, other than the fourth quarter, I thought that they played a pretty good game. Anthony Jennings, I think that he has really come on the last couple weeks. I think specifically since losing Judon, you know, Uche obviously got hurt last week, didn't play yesterday, but he's a guy that I think with the larger role is really starting to, you know, show what he can do. So that was good to see um, him get in there yesterday. Jack Jones made his season debut, so he was back on the field, which was good to see. Um, did have a QB hit that uh, should not have been flagged, but, you know, Josh Allen's a pretty good actor. So uh, I, I think that, you know, Jack Jack is always going to be a guy who is going to, you know, be be in the mix for a lot of things, that he may, he may have a lot of penalties, 
He may be a guy that gets beat a couple times, um, but I think has that ball hawking ability that I think that's really what the Patriots like um, in him. So it was good to see him back on the field uh, for this game. Jabril Peppers obviously had a good game, had the interception um, in the first quarter, so he was really solid. And I thought that the rookie kicker and punter were great. Bryce Berenger had a couple of good punts. Um, and Chad Ryland, 3-for-3, three 49-yard three, field goal he hit um, in the fourth quarter. So good to see on that end. So curious about what's next for this team. But I think that it's hard not to come away from this game and be impressed with the way they responded and the way that they responded with you know, coming in against a division rival, one and five, you know, oh and three at home, not much going for them, and they put in. I think it's one of the most significant wins um, in the post Brady era, um, and I think that it now is proof that this team, you know, at its best, or I don't know, I don't know if at its best is the right word to use because there are a lot of guys that are missing in action. But I think being able to prove that, okay, we can not only hang with one of the best teams in the league, but we can beat them. And sure, you can say whatever you want about the Bills and how they've not looked great the last couple of weeks, but, you know, this is a team that put 48 points on the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. You know, so it's not a slouch team. And I think it's a team that's tormented the Patriots the last couple of years with their, you know, perceived huge advantage in talent um, over the last couple of years. And I think the Patriots have closed the gap. And I think this is proof that, okay, you're a lot closer to, I think, Buffalo than people think you are. You know, I think a lot of people point to that playoff game in 2021, the 47 to 17. But I got news for you. The last three Patriot Bills games, you know, have been within 14 points. So it's like, sure, you know, you can point to that playoff game, but time's passed. And, you know, I know that it looks bad because the Patriots are two and five, but I think. You know, something crazy happens and you beat the Dolphins next week. You know, we could be having a very interesting conversation um, about this team going forward. But I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I think it was really significant getting this win yesterday. And I think it's just going to be good for the week that the team can feel good about a win. You know, we've had to endure... They, the team has had to endure three weeks in a row of having to deal with the questions from the media and, you know, deal with kind of just the feeling down after losing games and having to deal with all that comes with that the week before the next game. Um, so I think it's just going to be refreshing to have this team have a win under their belt and they can feel good going into a place that they've uh, not had the most success over the years, even with Tom Brady. So, you know, another matchup for the Dolphins. I think the Patriots should be hyped up for this game because I thought they played the Dolphins pretty damn well the last time they played, and they came up short. And I think if this Patriots team plays with the confidence and the edge that they played with yesterday they have a great chance to win this game. And I think there might be a perceived, you know, level of like, okay, these teams in the league are the top of the top and they can't be beat. And I think, you know, from what we've seen week to week in the NFL, and I think arguably you've seen this for years, that any team can beat any team. On any given Sunday, you know, there's a reason why that's a saying. And I think, you know, there's no reason to believe that, oh, the Patriots have no chance. Because I guarantee you a lot of people, and I'll even admit this 
I didn't think they had a chance yesterday. And they pull out a win. And I think, you know, who knows? This win could give them confidence to go down to Miami and pull out another one. You know, I think that the motivation for pulling this team out from where it's been, you know, avenging a loss to the Dolphins in a place where you struggle, you know, against a team that you haven't beaten the last couple of years, you know, I think, or against or uh, against a quarterback that you have not beaten over the last couple of years, I think there's a distinct possibility uh, Patriots, if they play like this, they play like they did yesterday, they can beat anyone. And I think it starts with the offensive line, protecting Mac Jones, giving him enough time to throw. Mac Jones making the correct decisions, making the right throws, you know, not being risky with his passes, you know, with the defense coming up big, coming up with turnovers, with the special teams, you know, being able to pin teams deep, you know, kick field goals when it's necessary and not putting, not putting the bleeping ball on the ground, which is what the Patriots did yesterday that I think let the pills get back into the game, um, unfortunately, in the fourth quarter. But again, they did enough. Mac Jones leads the team down the field and they get, I think, Again, I think it's one of the most significant wins um, in the post-Brady era. It might be the most significant. Um, And it came at a time that I think this team was really desperate. And I think when you play play desperate and you play with nothing to lose, you can do a lot of crazy things. So I expect this Dolphins game this week to be close. And I think it's going to come down to the wire, but we'll see. Does Mac have another fourth quarter comeback in him? You know, is it the other way around? Does the defense have to come up with a stop? You know, we'll see. But I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be close. Um, and I, it's 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 hard for me to pick the Patriots because I almost feel like if I pick them, then they won't win. Uh, but if I don't pick them, then they'll win. I almost feel like that's what's going to happen. But. I just, I feel like I saw something different with this team yesterday that I think leads me to believe that they will beat the Dolphins. But on the other hand, the Dolphins, you know, as we'll talk about them later in the program, they got beat pretty badly by the Eagles in the second half last week, or uh, last night, I should say. So, you know, they could be hungry coming into this game as well. Um, But I think hopefully it's a different outcome going down there to uh, Miami this year. So we'll see what happens, but great win for the Patriots this week. Plenty to be um, excited about. You know, I think the going forward thing, I think it's definitely a larger conversation to have over the next few weeks and maybe, you know, into the off season. You know, I think thoughts about, you know, Bill Belichick and going forward, probably thoughts for another day, but I think I just wanted to focus on this great win that this team had yesterday. So Patriots, Dolphins, one o'clock start, I believe, next week um, in Miami Gardens at the uh, Hard Rock Stadium. I almost said the Orange Bowl, but yes, one o'clock start Sunday, Patriots, Dolphins. So that's it for the Patriots. We're going to move to the Bruins who have uh, come off a sweep in Southern California um, over the last couple of days. Wins in San Jose, Los Angeles, and then Anaheim last night. Um, Team's 5-0-0 to start, and um, I think it's not been perfect. You know, I think offensively, 5-on-5, and power play, they're still, you know, working through some things, but getting wins and I think building confidence is huge for a team like this um, in the first couple weeks of the season. So I think biggest thing for me is one of the biggest things that I noticed over the weekend is just the goaltending and 
how Olmark and Swayman have picked up right where they left off um, in the regular season. I don't think that either of them were particularly great in the playoffs, but they have picked up where they left off from the regular season and just been unbelievable. Uh, just the number of high-quality, high-danger chances that they're being able to make saves on is just, you know, preposterous. And I know, yes, most of that might be concerning that, okay, the Bruins are giving up a lot more chances than maybe they did last year, and maybe that's because of the losing some talent. Maybe it's because of the beginning of the year and the team is still trying to figure things out. But, geez, having both of these guys back there is just gives you some peace of mind that, sure, this team probably is not going to be able to score at the rate that it scored goals last year, but having either one of these guys back there, it gives you a chance to win every single night. Olmark um, 3-0 with a one goals against, 962 save percentage, and Jeremy Swayman 2-0, 202 goals against, 943 save percentage, and... It just, I mean, again, giving the Bruins a chance to win every time they're in goal. And I think just gives you, gives you and gives the team, you know, great confidence that they may not be able to bring their best every single night, which I think you saw a couple times on this road trip so far, that the team has not brought their A game or even their B game. And, you know, Olmark or Swayman comes up huge and gives them you know, a boost and they're able to come out with wins. So I think just starting from there and I think building out, this team's in a really good spot. Um, so I think, you know, yes, there might be something to be said for the strength of schedule or lack of um, in the first five games. Bruins have only played one uh, playoff team from last year and I think that I think that that will change you know I think that some teams a team that they're coming or a team that they're playing coming up uh, Detroit this weekend that's a team that's gotten off to a good start and they appear to be good you know Florida obviously the first round playoff opponent from last year will be a challenge so I think the Bruins having those two games uh, coming up soon. Uh, Bruins' next game is tomorrow night in Chicago. Bruins with a rematch against the Blackhawks and Connor Bedard, obviously winning the home opener or the season opener uh, three to one two weeks ago. So I think, you know, it's not ideal that the Bruins have to go out on the West Coast uh, for the you know, for the, in, in what, the second week of the season. Um, but I think going on a long road trip, I think is good for the guys, good for the chemistry and good for a group that I think is going through a lot of change. I know that, you know, you still have a lot of the usual suspects, guys from last season, but I think anytime you lose a captain, anytime you lose a, a big locker room presence like Bergeron and like Krejci, you know, you go through some changes, and I think it's good for the team to have kind of these bonding experiences where they're on the road for a while. They have to, you know, make their own company, and I think um, that can only be good for a team like this. And I think, you know, great that it happens early on in the season so they can build off of it. You know, it's kind of something you always look for when a team goes on a long road trip. And I think a team that's kind of in somewhat a transition um, like this. So again, Bruins will wrap up the trip uh, tomorrow night in Chicago. Um, and then they will come home for, I think three, at least three games um, into the month of November. So, uh, I don't know why I wanted to say Vancouver. Uh, Bruins actually will host um, Anaheim on Thursday. Bruins played the Ducks last night. 
and won the three to one. We'll talk about that in a second. But home against the Ducks Thursday, home against Detroit on Saturday, and then home against Florida a week from today. And then the Bruins close out their home homestand with a game against the Maple Leafs uh, Thursday, November 2nd. So Bruins with four straight at home after the conclusion of the road trip. So obviously good win for the Bruins last night. Uh, pretty pretty kind of ugly game through the first two periods, but the Bruins stuck with it. And uh, Matthew Patra with his first two goals of his career uh, really was instrumental in this game. Um, the Bruins win 3-1. to one. Just as great to see him get on the scoreboard. I think that he's had some games this year where he's been close. Uh, but finally, being able to see the puck go in not once but twice uh, is great for his confidence. And I think the thing that stood out to me watching um, the game on the, uh, on, on the DVR this morning, that, you know, he earlier in the third period had two you know, unbelievable chances and chances that I think, you know, in a 0-0 game, you want to bury those chances. And I think for some young players, you know, getting chances like that and not scoring, you know, missing the net, having it saved can be demoralizing. But I think the thing that I've noticed with this kid is he doesn't let a mistake bother him or dog him that he can make a mistake or not, you know, finish a scoring chance, but will come right back. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, Bruins get that first goal, that tying goal, I think less than a minute after Anaheim had scored the first goal of the game. You know, Ian Mitchell takes it up ice and then Patra scores off a feed from Geeky, you know, going to the net. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you can do, I think, as a young player. Um, when things maybe don't go well for you is go to the net because when you go to the net, good things can happen. And a good thing did happen. He scores that goal. Um, and then minutes later scores off of a rebound. Again, going to the net and being aggressive. And, and I think, you know, not being afraid to go to those areas to get rebounds um, and put pucks in. So just a great performance for him. And I think we're getting to a point that you know, the Bruins are going to have to make a decision at some point. You know, his nine-game uh, kind of, his nine-game trial in Boston, you know, is coming to an end at the end of the month. And then the Bruins will have a decision to make as to whether to send him back to juniors or keep him in Boston. And I think, as I said last week, I think you're seeing him assimilating well to the pro game and, you know, continuing to grow. And I think that, again, I think the best way for him to develop is to stay here, you know, and continue to develop and grow because I think the Bruins need this kind of energy. And I think having someone who's 19, you know, up with the team, is good for team morale. And I think not only that, it's great to see when he's, you know, producing too. You know, it's not like you're just some kid that's happy to be here. You know, he wants to make an impact. And I think has made that obvious from the first day of training camp that he, you know, said from the start that he wanted to make it difficult on the Bruins to, you know, cut him. And, you know, he's been... I think one of their most exciting players this season, one of their most exciting young players in, in quite a while, you know, and it's just so fascinating that I think for the last, you know, year or so, everyone's been talking all about Lysel and Lowry that, okay, here are the Bruins' best two prospects and, you know, can't wait to see them in the NHL. And lo and behold, we have this kid who's, you know, 19 and getting into real competitive games. Um, and I think it's, it's great to see that he's assimilated well and has continued to play well. You know, I think, sure, rookie mistakes are going to happen. He had a couple of them last night, but 
I think giving him the confidence that you can make mistakes, but you can also make an impact, you know, I think is the best thing you can do, you know, empower the kid by giving him opportunities and, you know, saying, hey, you may not have put the puck in the net on your first couple tries, but we believe in you to go and and put it in the next time. And that's what he did. So uh, really pleased with what I saw uh, from Pasha last night. And I think it really just put some excitement and some juice into this team that I think maybe has missed at times, especially five on five. You know, I think Brad Marchand is starting to figure it out, you know, and get comfortable. You know, pasta is pasta. Don't really have to worry about him in terms of what he's doing offensively. Um, I see eight points in five games. James Van Riemsdyk has been a pleasant surprise with three goals. That's third on the team. Um, I think Morgan Geeky played a really good game last night with an assist. Uh, Lucic was out of last night's game. I think suffered an injury Saturday and a block shot. So, you know, interested to see if he's going to be out for any period of time. Uh, Derek Forbert was out of last night's game. Uh, Ian Mitchell has played. Have played in a couple games this weekend. Had an assist, as I mentioned, uh, last night. So he played in the last two games. Kevin Shattenkirk didn't play. Saturday night, but played last night. So, you know, just be interesting to see if, you know, any other kind of line juggling. Actually, that's what I was going to talk about, the kind of sort of line juggling that I've seen um, in games. And it seems to, you know, be something that maybe the Bruins are going to try more of this season, that, you know, starting the game with different trios, but then not being afraid to kind of, mix those up in different situations. Um, and I think you're going to see a lot of that, I think, as the Bruins continue to try to find the best combinations. Um, so, you know, I think the other part of the Patra thing, you know, and something I've kind of been paying attention to is uh, Danton Heinen remains to be around in Boston and I think could still be a possibility of being signed to a contract the rest of the season. That's the only thing that makes me wonder if the Bruins are going to be, you know, sending Patra down because they obviously would need to clear a roster spot for Heinen to be on the team, you know. So, you know, I don't know if that means anything. Um, You know, I think Patra, obviously, if he continues to play this well, I think he should stay with the team. And I know that it's a it's a huge decision because nine games versus 82 games is huge, you know, but I just, uh, part of me wants the Bruins just to throw caution to the wind and say F it because this might be the best season, the best chance to do this with a kid like this, with a season that you really don't have a lot of expectations that, you know, it might just be a year to throw caution to the wind and say, okay, Matt Patra will give you 82 games, see what you can do. Um, but it's like he's making an impact and he's affecting winning. And I think you want to keep those guys around, right? You don't want to be, you know, sending those guys back to a, a, a spot where, it kind of seems like they've mastered the game, you know, with the 95 points that Matt had last year in the OHL, um, you know, 79 assists. And it's like, you know, is it the best move for his development to send him down there? But, you know, there's a lot of factors that have to be, you know, considered in all this. So, you know, you just hope that, the kid continues to do well and hopefully can stick. You know, that's kind of the, the hope with this. Um, so Bruins next game tomorrow night in Chicago, 8.30 start. Uh, this, is, this is an ESPN game. So uh, if you're looking for this on Nesson tomorrow night, you will be solely, sorely uh, disappointed or sorely mistaken. 
So yeah, switch it over to ESPN. 8.30 start Bruins get their second look at Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks. Um, so I think that's going to do it for the Bruins. We're going to move on. And uh, Wednesday night, we got some regular season Celtics basketball. Uh, Celtics and the Knicks, 7.30 start. Um, and yes, it's that, or 7 p.m. start, um, I should say, at uh, MSG in New York. So yeah, it's about that time for the Celtics. So I uh, figured I'll talk a little bit kind of about my expectations for this season. Um, you know, Derek Welch and I will talk more in depth about this group uh, for Guest Friday. So very much looking forward to that. So I think my biggest question for this team right now um, is how they approach the starting lineup. And I think clearly the two different options the Celtics have are to start Derek White or to start Al Horford. And I think I think what I, what I believe is going to happen is, depending on certain teams, the Celtics may you know, start Al Horford, may start Derek White. Um, I think that there are pros and cons to both. You know, I think starting Derek White gives you gives you a lot more defensive versatility. You know, gives you two elite defensive guards. You know, in two guys that are going to really be annoying to play against for opposing teams. And I think also, you know, playing Porzingis at the five gives him a lot of good matchups that, you know, he can be a guy out on the perimeter shooting threes that has to pull other bigs out of the paint, you know, opening up lanes for other guys. Um, and I think if you start Horford, I think gives you a little bit more beef on the interior in terms of defense. You know, you're bringing Derek White off the bench, who I think brings a lot of energy, whatever role that he's in. And I think coming off the bench, that's an even better role, I think, for a team that may not be may not be as deep as you would like in the second unit. And I think, you know, having Derek come off the bench could be good for that type of situation. But, you know, I think Peyton Pritchard's going to take a step this year. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be playing quite a bit of minutes. You know, Sam Hauser, I think, is someone that's going to continue to play minutes. You know, O'Shea Bursette, I think, will get minutes as well. Um, but I think really the biggest question is, how do they approach that starting lineup? And then I think, you know, related to that, who's that next big? You know, Porzingis, Al Horford, who's the next guy after that? You know, Luke Cornett, I think is fine. He's a fine basketball player, but I don't think that he's someone with, that will be getting minutes in the playoffs. You know, I do think that regular season basketball, you're going to get a lot more guys playing than you would see in the playoffs. I think playoffs, you see, you know, eight, nine guys play. If that, you know, I think with this particular team, with, with this particular team, you know, it's kind of the top six and then everything else, you know, there's the top six, then there's Pritchard, then there's Hauser, you know, Brissett. I think in the regular season, you'll see a lot more guys play. And I think, you know, you know, Luke's a fine player, but I think I would almost feel better if, you know, they had someone else. And I think, you know, Luke's a fine player again, but I think having someone else off the bench might make some sense. Um, you know, they picked up Nathan Knight, uh, who actually uh, played for the Minnesota last year um, and played in a game against the Celtics um, and did very well. So, um, you know, maybe he's part of the solution. Namias Keita has been really good in the preseason. You know, he's a guy that I think the Celtics may have found something with him, uh, just the way that he's played in the preseason. And the energy that he's played with. And I think, you know, he's someone that in a pinch in the regular season, I think he's on a two-way deal. 
you know, could give you some minutes. You know, I think with the two ways, it's 45 or 50 games that he can be available for, uh, but can't play in the postseason, which I think is fine. You know, I think the Celtics are going to be fine with the eight guys they have, um, you know, in the postseason. That's obviously a long way to go, but I think, you know, you're going to see an improved Pritchard, someone that's going to play more minutes, and I think someone that's going to have, I don't want to say more freedom, but I think you're going to see him be more free as a player and and develop and be more improved and I think be able to kind of run some of that second unit. Um, but I think the rotations will be very interesting to see the first couple weeks of the season, you know, how much do the Celtics get their kind of deeper rotation guys into games. You know, O'Shea Brissett, Lamar Stevens, Delano Banton, you know, those guys specifically, I'm curious to see if they play very much in the first couple of weeks. Um, you know, I get that the Celtics do want to be able to, you know, work this starting five of Holiday, White, Brown, Tatum, and Porzingis. Um, but I think they want to be careful or they want to be able to get other guys involved too. You know, that it's not just about the top six, you know, which is important. You know, I think Holiday getting to the team as late as he did with the trade, you know, I think there might still be some kinks to work out there. But I think making sure that they're getting most of their roster into games, um, you know, yes, I know that come playoff, playoff time, the rotation gets shorter, but I think regular season, you know, it's it's a marathon, and I think you want to be, you know, smart about the the minutes that you're giving out to certain guys um, that you're not playing, you know, your your Porzingis too many minutes or, you know, Al too many minutes. I mean, I think that Al is probably not going to be playing those second and back-to-backs this season. I think, again, like last year, uh, Celtics do not have um, a back-to-back until the 10th and the 11th of November, so that's the good news. So, you know, you probably see Al for this first uh, couple of games. Obviously, with the schedule, Celtics will travel to New York, play the Knicks Wednesday night. Their home opener is Friday night against the Heat, and then they're back out on the road next Monday in Washington against the Wizards, Chris Tapps, Porzingis, his old team. Uh, so that'll be kind of interesting to see. So those are the first three games for the Celtics. You know, I think winnable. It'll be interesting to see how the Heat game goes. You know, I think the Knicks are a solid team. You know, and and will be a playoff team. You know, it'll be interesting to see how the Celtics uh, play against both of those teams, the Knicks and the Heat, both pretty good defensive teams. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they can do offensively um, in those two games. Uh, but I think, again, early season, hard to take a whole lot of, you know, wins and losses into account. Like, oh, if they lose to the Heat, oh, my God, here we go. They can't beat the Heat. You know, I think that uh may not want to be too crazy if they lose that game. But, you know, I, I think with this team and how talented they are, I mean, 57 wins for a team last year that had a rookie head coach take over days before training camp, you know, a team that lost assistant coaches throughout the season still managed to win 57 games. I don't think 60 is out of the question for this team. I think 60 to 62 wins um, is kind of my expectation. And, you know, I said this right after the holiday trade, it's championship or bust for this team. And it's hard for me to say, I think just being an eternal optimist and, you know, giving, giving yourself kind of that all or nothing mentality, but it's kind of the way that they've made moves this, this off season, that they've made these moves to say, okay, we are putting together a championship team. You know, that old group with Marcus Smart, with Rob Williams, wasn't working, you know, they made a hard decision, I think, to move on from both of them, 
and realize, okay, they may not be part of the solution. We have to do something very drastic. And they did. And I think, I, 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 I don't, don't want to say I hate to say this, but it's like it's really all up to Jalen and Jason and, you know, what they can do with these newer guys that, okay, wasn't working with the last group. We're going to invest in you. You know, you guys better do do the job that we think you can do. And so I think it's a lot of pressure for the two of them. But I think that, you know, it's moves that say, yep, we're trying to win a championship. And I think this season is the first time for me, I think first time in a very long time, that I go into this, seeing, this season thinking, okay, if they don't win the championship, it's going to kind of be a disappointment. You know, and I hate to say that, but, you know, it's it's the, the, the moves that they've made, the changes that they've made, bringing in some new experienced coaches, bringing in some high-quality players, um, and I think wanting this team to be surrounded by team legends. And I think it's a great move by Joe Mazzula and the team. Um, but it's it's a lot of pressure. You know, and you hope that this team can stand up to it. But, you know, I think we're probably not going to be having that conversation about pressure until the playoffs start. So, you know, I don't really expect that to start in October. I think it's enjoy the regular season for what it's going to be. And I think it's going to be really fun, you know, knocking on wood, fingers crossed that nothing, uh, nothing strange happens throughout the season. Um, but I think it's going to be a fun year. You know, I think it's going to be a team that is expected to be very, very good. And geez, if that garden crowd for preseason games is any indication uh, that crowd is going to be in it all season long, which is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome to have the garden rocking. I could not believe watching. I, I think it was that first, is that first or second preseason game? May have been the game where Kristaps Porzingis, you know, made some comment about how great the crowd was. I mean, I've never heard the garden crowd like that for a preseason game. I've never heard it like that, and. Maybe it was like that for the 08 team when they got, you know, KG and Ray Allen. But, man, fans are ready and are excited for this team. Um, and, and I am too, and you should be as well. So we will talk more Celtics later this week uh, with Guest Friday with Derek Welch. So we're going to move on, talk a little bit about the revolution. It's a little bit of Red Sox stuff, and then we'll get to um, some other stuff from around sports. So the Revolution finished up their regular season with a 2-1 win over Philadelphia on Saturday. Gustavo Bo with two goals in that one. So the Revs wrapping up their season at 15 wins, 10 draws, and 9 losses. 55 points, good for 5th place. In the Eastern Conference, so just taking a quick look at some of their statistics at the end of the year. Carlos Heel with 11 goals was a career high. Bobby Wood, Gustavo Bo, seven goals. Frioni and Shankalai with six goals. Uh, I have to say, Tomas Shankalai has been a pleasant surprise. I really didn't know what to expect when he came over um, later in the season, but he's been awesome. Six goals in 11 games, and I think has made a huge difference in the Revs' attack. And I think, you know, as I always say, it's always great to have multiple guys that can hurt you uh, in the attacking third. And I think the Revs putting Shankalai with Bo, with Heel, with Frioni, you know, really gives them a good attacking group of guys that I think you should feel fairly confident about going into the postseason. And I think the coaching staff is, I think, settled, tried to settle on the best, you know, starting group that the Revs can be, you know, at their best going into the postseason. Um, but I think, you know, my biggest question for this team is, is goaltending. Um, and I think 
you know, having Earl Edwards playing some of the most recent games, uh, Jacob Jackson uh, played the last two games. It's it's a little bit of, of a concern because both of them are, you know, very inexperienced and the Revs have always had good goaltending over the last couple of years, you know, with Petrovic and with Turner that I think there there can be a little bit of a of a concern there that the Revs, you know, need to be at their absolute best defensively. Um, so they're not giving up too many chances. I think that uh, Dave Romney has had an excellent season, has really helped the back line. You know, Andrew Farrell's back. Um, you know, Henry Kessler, kind of not sure about his health going into the playoffs, but I think, you know, having Romney, having Farrell, having Dewan Jones uh, gives you help back there. But I think, you know, whoever the goalie is going to be, it's a lot of pressure, you know, and, the Revs have not been able to get Vasilek into any games. You know, the new goaltender that came over uh, later this season. So, you know, not sure if he's going to be playing any games in the postseason. I don't think that that's going to happen. But I guess we'll see, you know, Earl Edwards with 10 appearances. Jacob Jackson with two, um, you know, pretty inexperienced with both of those guys. So we'll see who gets the start. Um, but I think... You know, in the attacking third, it's you can you can be excited about some of these guys, but I think it's you know disappointing to think about how the season ended with you know the Revs being in second place in in late July when the league's cup started, and you know all the all the changes in the coaching staff and that whole thing. You know, the Revolution were I think three, five, and five since arena was put on leave so not exactly a great record you know pretty uneven going into the playoffs and you know i think losing out on home field really stinks because this team's been really good on home field they've only lost one game this year at gillette stadium so they're gonna have to be you know starting the postseason on the road postseason format in the mls is different this year it gets nine teams in each conference make the playoffs the eight nine teams play in a single game elimination um, then the other teams play in a best of best of three series so the revs with the fifth place finish lose out on the home field so they will have to play uh, the philadelphia union the team that they beat saturday um, in a best of three series so the bad news is the revs have to uh, start on the road in this series uh, first game is Saturday at 5 p.m. in Philadelphia. Then the Revolution. So actually, it's a a three best of three. Uh, one game in Philadelphia, one game in New England, and then if necess if necessary, they will play a third game in Philadelphia. So October 28th this Saturday, and then November 8th will be the next game in New England. So a little bit of time off between the second or between the first and second game and then the third game November 12th if necessary back in Philadelphia so you know not the best opponent for the Reds to play I think Philadelphia is a pretty good team a team that they know pretty well um, obviously with the game that they most recently played but I think a team that they've played a lot over the last couple of years so it's going to be tough. You know, this is Philadelphia has been one of the best teams in MLS the last couple of years, you know, made the final last year. So not going to be an easy match, but I think with the Revs, with the personnel that they have, Carlos Heel, um, you never can count a team like that out of any game. So uh, really excited to see the Revs back in the playoffs after they missed last year. So uh, game one will start at five o'clock on Saturday. Not sure about the TV for this game, if it will still be on Apple TV or if it will be on uh, like national TV, like Fox Sports uh, or something like that. Although the World Series may interfere with that, but we'll see. Um, so yeah, Reds will start their three game series with her best of three series against Philadelphia 
this Saturday at 5 p.m. So before we move along, we're going to update you guys on a Red Sox situation. Craig Breslow, a former Red Sox reliever, has, I think, been identified as one of the uh, candidates to take over uh, the team with the GM search front office, you know, whatever the, the job is. It seems like Craig is a uh, uh, is a favorite. You know, I think the report was a couple days ago that the Red Sox were in advanced discussions uh, with Craig Breslow for a vacant front office job, whether that's GM or whatever it is. So don't really know a whole lot about about Craig, but uh, obviously was a reliever, played for a number of teams in his career as a graduate of Yale University. Is 43 years old, pitched for the Red Sox in uh, 2006, and then came back in 2012-2013, was a member of the 2013 championship team. So certainly someone that the Red Sox are familiar with, you know, I think with being on the team, being part of a championship team, and uh, being from the area, he's from New Haven, Connecticut, obviously a graduate of Yale University. So certainly would welcome this. You know, I think uh, it's kind of just time for the Red Sox to find someone, you know, because I, I, I kind of thought they would have found someone by now. But, you know, obviously you have to go through the different candidates. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if Breslow, you know, takes one of these jobs. I think I understood that they're or like two jobs, there's general manager, and then there's like a overview thing. So I'm not really sure. Um, I do know that Gabe Kapler uh, interviewed for one of those positions recently. No word about whether, you know, he's a, you know, top of the list candidate or or whatever, but he was someone that interviewed uh, the other day. So, um, yeah, I think we'll... I think we'll move on. So we'll talk, go through the um, NFL scores from yesterday, or this week, I should say. So obviously covered the uh, Patriots at great, length, at great length. On Thursday night, the Jags improved to 5-2 and two with a 31-24 win, um, holding off the Saints' comeback attempt late so the Jags improved to five and two. The Saints drop to three and four. The Bears getting their second win of the season with a dominant performance over the Raiders, 30 to 12. Deontay Foreman with two rushing touchdowns for the Bears, who improved to two and five. The Browns hold off the Colts late and win 39 to 38, a pretty crazy game. Gardner Minshew, 300 yards and two touchdowns. Passing in this game, Patriots will play the Colts in Germany in a couple weeks. So the Browns improved to 4-2 with their win. Colts dropped to 3-4. The Giants holding off the Commanders late in the the fourth quarter in the red zone. Um, Giants win their second game of the season, 14-7. Tyrod Taylor with two passing touchdowns. Patriots will play the Giants later this year, as well as the Commanders. Patriots uh, playing the entire NFC East this year, so Giants improved to 2-5. and five. Commanders fall to 3-4. and four. Young Wei Ku with another game-winning field goal for the Falcons. They beat the Bucks 16-13. Falcons improved to 4-3. and three. Buccaneers fall to 3-3. Three and three. I think other than the Patriots win over the Bills yesterday. Uh, this score was the most surprising. Ravens destroying the Lions 38-6. to uh, Lamar Jackson dominant in this game. 357 yards, three touchdowns through the year. Also rushed, also ran for a touchdown as well. And the Ravens improved to 5-2. and two. Uh, and The Lions, you know, really looked like they were one of the favorites in the NFC drop. You know, almost a goose egg in this game as the Ravens win 38-6. to um, The Steelers with a road win in Los Angeles. 
24 to 17, the final score. Steelers improved to four and two with the win. Uh, the Seahawks with a 20 to 10 win over the Cardinals. They improved to four and two. Geno Smith with two touchdowns passing in this game. The Broncos doing enough to outlast the Packers. 19 to 17, Broncos get their second win of the season. The Chiefs beat the Chargers late yesterday afternoon. 31 to 17. Chiefs improved to 6 and 1. Patrick Mahomes was a uh, was was on one yesterday. 424 yards and four touchdowns through the air. Kelsey with 179 yards and a touchdown receiving and then the Eagles last night beating the Dolphins 31 to 17 with an impressive second half Jalen Hurts two passing touchdowns one to AJ Brown. He was really good in this game. Um, so Monday night, tonight in Minneapolis, the 49ers travel to take on the Vikings. I think Debo Samuel is going to be out for the next couple of weeks for the 49ers. Christian McCaffrey um, expected to play in this game as week seven comes to a close. So I think... Um, yeah, I think we will move on and talk a little bit about some baseball. Yes, there uh, there is a game seven. The uh, Rangers forcing a game seven with a nine to two win last night. So that game is tonight in Houston. Uh, Rangers Astros with the winner going to the World Series. Max Scherzer uh, starting for the Rangers as he was hurt toward the end of the regular season healthy enough to pitch in this game. Uh, Christian Javier goes for the Astros. The NLCS goes to game six tonight in Philadelphia. Um, Phillies lead three games to two, can go to the World Series for the second straight year if they're able to finish off the Diamondbacks. So that game, 5.07 start, um, and then the game seven in the ALCS starts at 8.03. So two really good games tonight and then obviously if Arizona is able to win tonight game seven between the Diamondbacks and the Phillies would be tomorrow night at 807. So World Series probably starts probably starts late this week I would think. Um, so it would be interesting to see what happens in both these series. So you know I think it seems like the last couple of years we've not had you know, the closest series, I think, in terms of, you know, the ALCS or ALDS or any of those series. Uh, but I think we're getting some good series in both championship series. So I think we're going to move on. So yeah, Rangers win 9-2 games in game six as uh, Adoles Garcia with a grand slam in the ninth inning to kind of punctuate the game. So be interesting to see what happens tonight. So we'll take a look at some notes from the NHL. A couple of injuries. Uh, Connor McDavid's expected to be out one to two weeks, and Andre Burakovsky from the Kraken. Expected to be out six to eight weeks. Uh, Rasmus Anderson of the Flames was suspended four games the other day. Um, so I think, yeah, some NBA notes before the season uh, kicks off tomorrow. There are two games on the schedule. The uh, season opener, Lakers against the Nuggets, 7.30 start, and then Phoenix and Golden State at 10 o'clock. So just some notes, um, Aaron Neesmith, former Celtic, um, agrees to a three-year, $33 million um, extension with the Pacers. It's good for Aaron to get to get paid. Um, and Stephen Adams is out for the year for the Grizzlies as he needs knee, knee surgery. Um, so obviously we'll talk more about the NBA and the Celtics uh, later this week. So before we go... I'm going to give you guys a uh, this date in Boston sports history. 
Uh, I know we've, in the last couple of weeks, done a Patriot game that we've looked back on um, in a Red Sox game. We're looking back on a Bruins game today, um, October 23rd, 2013, Bruins and the Sabres. Uh, Bruins won this 5-2, to improving to 6-2-0 on the season. Uh, old friend, which is funny to see. You know, this is a box score from 2013, and Milan Lucic with uh, two goals in this game. Uh, Tori Krug also scoring twice, including on the power play, Dougie Hamilton getting the other goal for the Bruins. So pretty funny looking at this old box score. Um, for those of you who remember, Jerome McGinley, yes, was on this Bruins team, had two assists in this game. David Krejci had two assists. Uh, Luch also added an assist in this game. So he had three points on the night. Um, and Carl Soderberg with uh, two assists in this game as well. Uh, get ready for a blast from the past here. Uh, Bruins winning goaltender in this game, Chad Johnson. Uh, played a grand total of 192 games in the NHL with eight different teams, including the Bruins, uh, played just 27 games for the Bruins in that 2013-14 season that actually resulted in the President's Trophy. So just some interesting tidbits uh, there. So, you know, like to do these little bits at the end of the show, kind of just give you something interesting, something interesting to, to think about. So I think great to be back with you folks this week, you know, hoping to get back on this regular schedule, be talking with uh, Derek Welch, obviously, later this week, I guess Friday. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, happy opening week to all you uh, Celtics fans who celebrate. It's going to be a, it's going to be a fun year. So I uh, will talk to you later this week and everyone enjoy the rest of your week.